0: Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of Finsecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor CEO of Finn, and I am joined once again by Nick Wolf from Cork. Nick, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Connor. Happy to be on the show again. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. No, I loved having you last time, and I'm sure we'll have another wonderful episode. If you haven't listened to our previous episode with Nick while he was at Cork, because he did some while he, he did some with us while he was at Evo as well. We talked about what is a cyber warranty and Uh, where they do and do not apply and also how it interfaces with cyber insurance. It was honestly, I've never learned about cyber warranty, so it was great learning. Uh, And today we're talking about a little more around cyber insurance. So you posed a question here in the notes, which is why are cyber insurance claims getting denied? Where do you want to take that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen uh, some staggering results over here at Cork. We've seen about a third of MSPs uh, can't qualify for cyber insurance. And about a third of SMBs that do have a form of cyber insurance actually end up getting their claims denied. And it really comes down to the security questionnaire. I I think I tackled it uh, on one of my previous podcast episodes when I was representing Evo, where Travelers Insurance actually denied their cyber insurance claim because... Uh, the person checked the box, which was very vague, saying, yep, MFA is turned on, but they actually didn't have MFA turned on for all users across all servers and all devices on the network. And because of that sort of gray area within the cyber insurance contract, uh, the insurance providers, travelers in this example, did not provide financial payout to the customer, which was extremely unfortunate. So we've just been seeing it on the rise that more and more cyber insurance claims are getting denied. And that's unfortunate because you know SMBs On average, they only have about five days worth of operating cash during an attack and it's their money and they need it fast.
0: Let me let me just make sure I heard you correctly. You said a third of MSPs can't qualify for insurance. And then of those that do, a third of the policies that that you all see aren't paying out for one reason or another. Did I hear
1: that correctly? Yeah. So about a third of SMBs, which could be either the SMB customer or MSBs themselves, uh, are unable to qualify for cyber insurance just because the insurance industry is really becoming a lot more tighter on it because there's just so many ransomware attacks. So it's kind of like trying to find a hurricane insurance in Florida, right? A lot of people don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole just because there's such a likelihood of getting an attack there. That makes a
0: ton of sense. What are some of the reasons why uh, they're getting denied cyber insurance policies is it they're not using the right tools they're not committed to implementing them they don't have access to information to even answer the questions correctly what what are you guys seeing
1: yeah i would say it's it's a mixture of all of the above you know a lot of smbs out there some of them are quite frankly stubborn in their security posture right oh i installed you know Norton antivirus back in 1998, and I haven't been attacked yet. Why do I need to upgrade to an expensive XDR, EDR, MDR solution backed by a 24/7 SOC if I haven't gotten hit yet? Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) cybersecurity attacks change, right? Not saying anything's necessarily bad with Norton antivirus, but you know, there's a reason why there's not a VHS tapes on sale anymore. Things change, things adapt into newer technology. So we are seeing that for most cyber insurance policies, you need to have some form of EDR or XDR solution installed in addition to other layers of security, like security awareness training, MFA, et cetera. So MSPs could also utilize that to their advantage because if the clients are trying to qualify for cyber warranty or cyber insurance, you know, oftentimes they could go back to their clients and say, hey, if you want to qualify for this insurance or this warranty? You need these three things. You need MFA, you need EDR, you need security awareness training. Luckily, as your MSP, I can facilitate that and sell it to you.
0: That makes a ton of sense. And I'm like trying to think of if I were a small business and I wanted cyber insurance and my MSP, I couldn't get it because I didn't have the right cybersecurity posture. You see, like any certain amount of like the clients are driving this conversation, or like what what's going on there in terms of getting the, the SMBs the cyber insurance they really need.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that a lot often at EVO when I was representing Evo, which is an MFA vendor for MSPs and SMBs. And I'd be on the phone with MSPs all the time, you know, so why MFA? Why now? Why are you interested in the MFA solution? Well, the client reached out to me because their insurance broker reached out to them and it all rose downhill. Hey, in order for us to sell you this insurance policy, you need to have MFA installed. Now, it doesn't matter which MFA system you use, but it really needs to be installed for all users on all applications.
0: That makes a ton of sense. So Sounds like it's just an unwillingness to change. um, Or sometimes that comes with a lot of expensive tools that you need to now learn to manage. Yep. In in my experience, we've seen a lot of uptick in awareness training just as a result of clients demanding it because their cyber insurance policies are clear. This is something you need to be doing. Um, And I know from my conversations with other founders and and folks, um, specifically, MFAs, look, the identity access management, backups, EDR, and next-gen antivirus, whatever that means. I, yeah, I'll put an asterisk next to that because I haven't gotten a good definition on that one yet. Uh, they're seeing an uptick too, just from clients being like, oh, I'm doing this now. So if you can't do this for me, I'm going to go find somebody else, but I'd really like to work with you.
1: Yeah, and everybody wins in that scenario when the SMB has multiple layers of cybersecurity involved. Yeah, the MSP is making money because most of the time they're the ones reselling of those tools to the client, but oftentimes you're going to see a reduction in your premium. So the cost for your cyber warranty is going to decrease. The cost for your cyber insurance is going to decrease as well. So your cyber insurance might be, you know, $5,000 a year if you have EDR installed, but it might only be $3,000 a year if you have EDR, MFA, security awareness training and backup installed. There, so there is some rewards depending on your cyber insurance provider and cyber warranty provider for uh, cybersecurity posture.
0: You also mentioned that a third of the claims you all see end up getting denied. And a, a question I would have around that is, is it just the MSPs, the small businesses don't understand the policy? They don't read it enough to know what they should be doing? Or, you know, I don't want to say anyone's lying, but.
1: So it's a mixture of it's a mixture of that. And it's a mixture of a lot of gray area on purpose from the insurance broker, because at the end of the day, they make money by not you know paying out claims. So they want to reduce that as much as they can. But they often say send pages and warranty uh warranty and insurance forms that are, you know, dozens of pages long to a small business that they probably don't have a full time legal counsel on staff. Uh at best, you know, they'll give it to a part-time legal advisor to them that might glance it over and same thing to the MSP. But most people that are signing off on those policies are not legal experts.
0: So it's just a, a misunderstanding and then When it comes down to it and there has been an incident and it's time for the policy to pay out, cyber insurance, uh, I don't know if it'd be the broker, the carrier, the underwriter at that point, but tells them, hey, sorry, uh, you weren't in compliance with the policy that we wrote and binded you to, so see see you next time.
1: Correct. You had this EDR installed, but maybe the EDR was out of date, or you had it on five servers, but not the five servers and four workstations that's on your network. That makes sense.
0: Is Now, is this a type of a conversation that you think the MSP should be driving to the client, or is it still okay for the client to be driving this conversation up to the MSP, like demanding additional coverage, demanding additional help? What are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, so really, as the MSP, uh, I would suggest that they drive the conversation because they're not just the MSP. They are the subject matter expert for all things technology and cyber uh, security uh, related at the client's environment. So they really need to be seen as a thought leader, you know, having those conversations. Hey, Mr. Client, have you thought about cyber insurance? Have you thought about a cyber warranty? We can't sell you cyber insurance, but it's something you might want to have uh, in the back of your mind.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I've had many vigorous debates with folks around Uh, What should you do if your if your small business client says they won't get a cyber insurance policy? It's like uh, West Spencer calls it, like the cybersecurity poverty line is like, at what point do you just say my client doesn't value this enough for me to provide legitimate security?
1: Yeah. And that's a tough call that MSPs have to make. You know, a lot of MSPs are starting to draw, draw the lines, you know, in the sand. Hey, if you don't have these three or four things, you know, you're probably not a good customer for me.
0: So a question I would have to you, and maybe it's okay if you don't answer it, is if a client to an MSP says, I'm not going to buy these warranties and this cyber insurance, I don't need it, right? The point you brought up is I've been deploying Norton for 25 years, haven't gotten hacked. I'm going to give myself the thumbs up. We're good to go. Would you say that an MSP has like shouldn't take that client or it's like, let's pretend you're the MSP for the second. What would you want yeah. to do?
1: Well, I would try to educate the client yet again. It's not a matter of if you have an attack, but when you have an attack. It doesn't matter if you're a small organization or MGM casinos. You know, everybody is prone to these big types of hacks. And, you know, times definitely change. Yeah, you might not have gotten attacked before, but that could definitely change in the future. Um, Obviously, you have to look on your return on investment. If it's a small organization with two or three employees and they're stuck on Norton, probably not a lot of opportunity there. If it's a bigger organization with, you know, 10, 20, 30, employees and beyond, then, you know, maybe there's enough margin there to overcome those objections and really develop a plan with them.
0: What do you think MSPs can do to be more proactive?
1: Yeah. So um, it's very important for MSPs to stay educated on all the cybersecurity topics themselves. That could be attending webinars, listening to podcasts, or going to in-person events. I would highly recommend an MSPA attends at least one in-person event uh, per year at minimum. Yeah, they're a little expensive, but, you know, there's so much uh, content from being at an in-person event, whether it's the Right of Boom Conference or IT Nation Secure or some of the ASCII events. There's plenty of great events that are out there just to get that in-person knowledge as well as networking with MSP peers.
0: That makes a ton of sense. I I think I did a whole episode on MSP events uh, not too recent, not, not too far in the past. It was all centered around like make sure you know what kind of education you're getting, make sure you know who's giving you the education, what beating incentives may or may not exist behind that. And in a world where the debate of, do I consolidate my tools to put them all under one roof or do I use the best in class everywhere? It's like, uh, you know, you'll get, you'll get education swaying you one way or the next, depending upon, you know, probably the day a week at this point, if I'm being honest. Yep. Awesome. Um, what is in the fine print of these, um, insurance claims, or uh, sorry, if this and in, these insurance paperwork,s and also maybe even cyber warranties that folks are unaware of. What's like one piece of information that, well, I, at least I wouldn't know, but people who are actually in this world might may may or may not know about cyber insurance and cyber warranties.
1: Yeah, I would just again take a real hard look at the security questionnaires and make sure that whoever's filling it out is even authorized to fill it out. Like you don't you don't want to have Bob the intern fill out all those checkboxes saying, yes, we have this. Yes, we have that. It really needs to be done by either the internal IT department at the customer or the MSP that's managing the customer site that actually has the knowledge and skill levels to answer those questions as accurately. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to be wasting money if you're saying yes to a whole bunch of checkboxes when you know or think that they could be wrong, because that's going to lead to a, a payout claim becoming invalidated. And You just spent all that money the last few months, that last few years on a cyber insurance policy that would never pay you out in the first place because you filled out those questions wrong on day one. So definitely spend the time, make sure that you're filling out those cybersecurity insurance questionnaires or warranty questionnaires if needed uh, correctly.
0: Is this something you think MSPs should be doing for their clients or at the end of the day, is it the responsibility of the clients to make sure that these are filled out correctly?
1: I would say it's it's definitely on the client's burden because as an MSP, you don't want to open yourself up to liability, especially on something that you're not necessarily getting paid for. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's the insurance broker having a relationship with the end user. The MSP is not selling insurance like they would be reselling an EDR or a cyber warranty solution. So while the MSP can be involved in those conversations and help guide the customers to the right answers, ultimately that burden needs to be on the end user's shoulder and the MSPs want to remove their risk of liability as much as possible.
0: Uh, that largely is the exact advice I've heard from so many: is unless you're a licensed insurance agent and you're licensed to, t- to talk professionally about insurance or to you know write the policies themselves, don't have a conversation. <laughs> yep. It's like, um, and the two things that I that I've been explicitly told are absolute no nos: are don't recommend amounts of coverage and don't recommend um, any type of precautionary preventionary actions. in when it comes to satisfying a policy, it's like anyone who's like, you want to create better security, enable MFA. It's like, that's fine. But don't say that that then satisfies the cyber insurance policy. If you're not an expert who knows that policy and is licensed to talk about it.
1: Correct. Leave that. There's a reason why uh, insurance brokers have licenses, right? You know, they go through that in-depth training to have those types of conversations with the client. So just back out from those and yeah, focus on what you're good at, which is providing cybersecurity and technology solutions to the clients.
0: Awesome. For folks who wanted to connect with you or connect with Cork, where would you suggest they go do that?
1: Yeah, they can reach out to us at CorkInc.com. So that's C-O-R-K-Inc.com. Or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Nick Wolf.
0: Awesome. For folks listening or watching, we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining me again. This was a blast chatting with you and I'll see you on the next episode.
1: Thanks for having me, Connor.
0: See y'all. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at P-H-I-N-S-E-C or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.